Andy, thank you so much for for joining us. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you, Nitin. Good to see you. Likewise, Andy. So, Andy, uh, for folks that might be listening in or watching, um, who might not be aware of you and your background, can you talk a little bit and and introduce yourself and and, and your background? Sure. Uh, I'm the uh, vice president of marketing and innovation here at the Starkist Company. Um, Starkist Company, being over 100 year old company um, that started out as a Cantuna company. Um, for 100 years, we did Cantuna, and we've evolved. We've we're now a healthy lifestyle, healthy food company. We're doing tuna, we're doing salmon, we're doing chicken. Um, we're getting into different proteins and packages. <clears throat> and so, my role here. Um, even though we have a big, big name as the number one brand, we're actually pretty lean. We're pretty entrepreneurial. Um, my responsibilities cover marketing, um, our product innovation, including our R and D group, our QA group, um, e-commerce. Uh, we're managing all the e-commerce here on this team, our corporate affairs work, all of our PR, social media, and we work very closely with all of our uh, counterparts, all of our colleagues in sales and, uh, in supply chain. Wonderful, Andy. And, you know, I love your background. You know, even without you talking about the company, one could guess what the company does. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, let's see here. That's that there's an albacore on the, on the left and a uh, yellowfin on the right. So my blocking the yellowfin. Excellent. I'm getting hungry. Just looking at those. <laughs> uh, so Andy, in your background, when, you know, thinking and reflecting on your background in marketing and innovation and, and focusing on customer experiences. Um, when, when your CEO or, or the C-suite turns to you and says, great work, Andy, what are they sort of counting on you for? Sure. Well, you know, at Starkist, uh, we have a vision. It's to be a socially responsible company. Um, that empowers people to live a healthy lifestyle. And so that's what we're trying to do. Um, it's not just a, uh, a bunch of words. It's not just an external vision statement, but um, that's um, something that uh, we've, you know, we, we internalize in everything that we do. We're really positioning ourselves to be a healthy food product, um, to be able to, to feed, feed more people, feed people healthy food, meet different healthy lifestyles, meet different dietary needs, um, and, and by doing so, um, we also further ourselves as the number one brand and we grow our sales. So if we're doing those things the right way, then I think we're doing a good job. And, and that's, that's, um, uh, where, where we'd get, uh, accolades as well. So when you think about, you know, the customer experience, right? I mean, your customer base I know has gone through such a transformation in in the last year, just given the pandemic and with everybody being at home. When you think about the, the customer experience in general and also in context of some of the challenges you faced in, in the last year, can you talk a little bit about you know, the challenges that you faced and, and things you've done to overcome them? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, as you mentioned, uh, things have changed in the in the past year. Um, consumers are shopping differently. There's a 
greater focus on e-commerce, whether it's uh, ship to home or curbside. Um, and um, it makes it uh, challenging to effectively communicate to that end consumer. Um, we have to target the, the right audience um, with the right message, a message that resonates, um, that carries through to the point of purchase. And um, so, yeah, we've had to we've had to adapt. We've had to adapt some of our uh, messaging and our targeting. And uh, you know, historically, uh, brands would use traditional media, broadcast television. Um, and now we've had to really embrace um, a lot more digital and not just advertising, but uh, the way we way we uh, geo target or target different demographics, the way we advertise within e-commerce. And you know, we've, it's also had an impact on some of the sorts of products that we offer or packages and, and uh, formats that um, are more conducive to that, that sort of shopping experience. Hmm. So Andy, when you are focusing on um, the customer and you're focusing on their journey and their experience with you, how do you deep dive into it? How do you mm -hmm. uncover things that, that matter or what we call like moments of truth? Sure. Well, I mean, there's, there's so many different areas to explore. It, it's hard to know what to explore first sometimes. Um, and uh, I used to have a colleague, I had a colleague, a former colleague who said, it's like um, being on a farm. There's just so much work to do. Where, you know, where do, where do you start? What do you do first? Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think of it in terms of, there's, there's data that we can drill into that's already available to us. There's um, some consumer research that, that we can conduct um, sort of in person or, or observing. Um, and, then, and then there's also the in-store element of it, so in-store research, in-store observation. Um, so, you know, when I talk about data, there's a lot of syndicated data out there. There's, there's panel data. There's, um, there's loyalty card data that, that, that can be mined. Um, then there's the consumer research element. You have your traditional focus groups, your one-on-one -on -one interviews, your surveys. Um, and then something that we've been doing um, in recent years now is social listening. So there, there we're actually scraping some of the conversations that are occurring online. Um, so when consumers discuss a topic on social media um, or in a blog, um, if it's if it's in the public domain, that's something that can be scraped. So we're not hacking into anyone's Facebook account or anything like that. But if you're stating something publicly, we're able to quantify how many times consumers are talking about certain topics, certain product claims, certain dietary lifestyle, certain um, elements that that matter to those consumers. And then we're able to also um, explore some of the qualitative feedback, um, get some verbatims behind uh, behind uh, some of that quantification. Um, and then and then I talked about in-store. I, I, I kind of pride myself on uh, in-store, um, probably spend more time in the store than most marketers. I'm really fascinated by what's actually happening at the shelf. I like to observe how the shelves are constructed, what the assortment looks like, how many facings different products have, um, where the products are located, um, how the brain blocks are set, try to understand in conjunction with the data in conjunction with the consumer research we have, why certain products are selling or not selling. Is it, is it the graphics? Is it the, the shelving itself? 
Um, and so, you know, some things that, that, that we've done in that space, we've done some eye tracking. Um, we've also done some virtual shelf tests and uh, some in-person in um, shelf testing. That's great, Andy. So, you know, it, it seems like you're doing a lot of different things, which is, which is great because, you know, our approach with, with our clients is similar as well, where no one tool can really help understand, you know, help, uh, help us understand the customer's true sentiment or their true journey aspects because customer journeys are complex. And so I like the fact that you're sort of looking at different things while maintaining a focus in store as well, uh, which makes sense because that's obviously where a lot of, you know, the actual action is also happening. Um, can you reflect on maybe your last project where you really wanted to uncover or focus on a certain aspect of the customer's journey or their experience and, and how you went about it and the challenges that you faced and how you overcame them? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to share an example that um, is probably our best example, maybe not our most recent, but it's, it's been collective over a period of years here. Um, so I mentioned how we were, we were a Cantuna company for 100 years. Um, we launched shelf-stable pouches. We we're the first company to do so in this space about 20 years ago, um, but it never, it didn't really catch on. It just kind of lingered for, for years um, until really the past five years. We've been selling a lot of pouches. It's now about 40% of our sales. And um, so along that journey, what we, dis we discovered some different things. We discovered that we needed to talk to consumers different ways as we were able to uh, understand what really mattered to the consumer, we, we landed on, it's a healthy, convenient, uh, portable message. So we have this tear, eat, go slogan, Stark kiss pouches, you tear, eat, go. And, um, and that really resonates with the consumer. Also on the front of the pouch, you see, we call out the number of calories, the grams of protein. Um, so we call out important attributes to the consumer. Um, and then one other very important component is that uh, we launched different flavored pouches. So we had three or four different flavors for many, many years and they didn't sell that well. And in talking to the consumer, we, we um, uncovered that we had four, it was a 4.5 ounce net weight pouch. And we'd have a lot of consumers, mostly women, women telling us, hey, you know, I open that pouch, I pour the tuna on my salad or my sandwich and I don't end up eating all of it and I end up wasting some of it. And um, so, what we ended up doing was we right-sized the pouch. So we, we actually downsized from a 4.5 ounce to a 2.6 ounce single serve, 100 calorie, about 15 grams of protein. And, um, and what, what we saw was the, the sales exploded. Um, we were able to promote at a dollar. We were able to get features and displays at a dollar or 10 for 10. And now we had consumers mixing and matching and they were buying two flavor, two, two, pouches of this flavor and two pouches of that flavor and two pouches of another flavor. And then we started to expand our assortment. And today we have dozens and dozens of varieties. So it, it exploded almost akin to like what you might see um, in the yogurt space. You know, if you go buy yogurt to, uh, on sale for a dollar, you'll buy a lemon and a raspberry and a strawberry and a peach and so on. So same thing happened in our category. And that happened because we listened directly to the consumer. We observed the consumer and, um, and we made some adjustments to our product 
uh, our product uh, size and price point, and and then we expanded our assortment, and it really really took off. You know, that's that's a wonderful example, Andy, because uh, I am one of those customers as well. What you said brought back memories because that's exactly what I was doing as well. You know, the initial pouches, there was stuff that, you know, even I couldn't finish. And I feel like I have a good appetite for this. And then when those pouches started first coming out, I remember it was actually incredible because then I could actually sample different flavors and not worry about throwing stuff away. Uh, And in fact, I also remember, and this continues even till this date, that when I would initially just go maybe buy a smaller quantity, I'm actually now buying more because I know I can just stock up, you know, several of those pouches. And and every time I want to try it on my sandwich or salad, I'll get a new flavor. Whereas in the past, I would only buy, you know, a limited portion because I knew I would not be able to finish it. And it's remarkable that you were able to pinpoint something like this. Uh, I think that's a tremendous experience as well. When you're looking for these insights or these moments, Andy, when you're in store, when you're looking at the data, uh, you know, whether through social media scrapping or in the store, do you go in with a certain key objective or are you sort of a open, are you keeping an open mind on, I'll discover whatever I discover? Yeah, I would say we're going with an open mind. I mean, typically there's an objective or set of objectives that um, that we're, we're looking to explore because there's a perceived issue or perceived problem. Um, but sometimes we end up uncovering um, a different problem um, that that we, we may not have been aware of. Um, so that, that helps us to arrive at a completely different solution. So, you know, we've spoken about the successes and projects that have gone well and, you know, the experiences you've shared. I mean, that is every marketer and every uh, insights uh, professional's dream come true, right? You, you find that true nugget and it moves the needle in the business dramatically. Uh, right. Reflecting on some of these projects, especially when they come to either in-store research or any kind of, you know, project that you were involved in, where it was focusing on the customer journey or the customer experience. Mm -hmm. Now thinking about it in hindsight, or maybe reflecting on your next such project, Mm -hmm. was there anything that you felt could have been done better? Or would you do different on your next one? Yeah. Well, I mean, consumer behavior is changing. Uh, We talked about it uh, a little bit earlier in the conversation, how people were shopping differently um they're shopping online um and uh consumers are, are, are viewing consuming media differently as well they're not necessarily just watching cable television they're streaming um they're spending a lot of time on their tablets or their mobile phones um so it's really um it's really hard to uh, in, engage with consumers in in the same way um, and maybe some of the, the uh, traditional methods have, have gotten a little bit stale. Uh, maybe, um, you know, just having a, a focus group or a conversation, you're not, you're not getting the full experience or maybe you're not uh, um, segmenting far enough. Um, so 
I think that uh, I think what we need to do is em embrace more and more of the technology. We're, we're we're trying to do so. We're trying to understand it, like I think a lot of people are. Um, so we're we're testing. I'd say we're testing and learning. Um, so some different examples of that. Um, sometimes some of the activity may may come ahead of some of the research. So what that means is like we're actually using some of our activities research. And and what I mean by that is um, let's say we serve. Uh, an advertisement um, to different uh, demo groups online. And then we see which one performs better. And then we understand that maybe we wanna explore um, some of the various demo groups a little bit deeper. Or another example might be um, how we, we're, we're geo-targeting or, or targeting different demographics through paid digital or paid social, um, or we're using addressable television ads where we're actually able to serve different advertisements to different consumers based on their shopper card data and then conduct a sales attribution study to understand how effective it was. Um, none of these things are perfect. Uh, we've yet to see a perfect study, but, but they all provide some directional um, data points and um, that we're able to um, th that are then clues as to where we can explore further um, and then go back to some of the other forms of, of research that we've employed. Yeah, you know, I, Andy, you've raised a very um, wonderful point over there because, you know, this is a challenge. I see a lot of CMOs, a lot of senior marketers also grapple with because there are a lot of tools out there, a lot of ways to collect that information, right? And even with your customer, if you look at it from the customer's viewpoint, I mean, they're not just walking into a store and picking up you know, the first thing that they find. There's a lot of uh, stages in their journey, the way we like to define it, where they might be looking at online, they might be looking at a TV ad, they might be looking at a post, they might be looking at something in the mail that they got, they might be looking at you know, something they saw on the, on the TV, you know, different places. And then when, once they walk inside a store, then they're also being bombarded with, you know, not just the messaging you're putting out, but the messaging and the packaging and the, and the planograms and everything that's going on with other competitors as well. And, and what we recommend to clients, and this is something I'll, I'll recommend to anybody watching as well is, you know, it's almost like look at the customer journey, not in a silo, like do the things that, you know, that you mentioned you're doing, for example, right? Where you're looking at in-store, you're looking at social media scraping, but then also pull it together. And, and what I mean by pulling it together is maybe in one tool that does it really well is customer journey mapping, where you map out the different insights that you found, but you map it out in context of the different stages that a customer is going through. So the insights that you have in, in probably the pre-shopping stage, you know, map those out over there, but then also connect it to the store stage. Because if, if the customer is not connecting with what you're putting out there, Andy, in that pre-store stage, when they walk into the store, they're not going to connect with the product over there. You know, that integration needs to be seamless, right? As you know. Right. And, and so that's where I think customer journey mapping as a tool comes in 
And we're big proponents of that because it, it allows everybody to have that framework or sort of that, that uh, visualization of, you know, sort of looking at the customer from that 5,000 foot view level, but then also being able to zoom in and look at the nuances of what's going on in each stage. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes total sense. Um, and um, I think there's no uh, one way to, uh, you know, peel the onion, but uh, I think that uh, absolutely there needs to be some rigor and uh, methodology around how we approach the consumer. Yeah, peeling the onion is the right way to go about it. You know, you might get some tears in the beginning and it might sting a bit, but eventually it'll add to the flavor of your dish, right? right. And if it's a good tuna dish, it's going to taste even better. As you yeah. can tell, I've, I've been hungry all throughout having this conversation. So, so I think it's wonderful. But thank you again for your time, Andy. You know, um, it's, it's always wonderful to chat and learn and, and the experiences that you've shared, especially the successes, you know, I think those were truly remarkable and I wish you many more of these. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Nitin. Thank you for the conversation. Mm -hmm.